2: Introducing the fuzz from Jackson Audio, taking faithful recreations of historic fuzz circuits and bringing them together in one modular pedal that allows you to create classic fuzz sounds as well as new fuzz sounds! The idea of creating a modular fuzz came about when they were trying to decide which style of fuzz would be the most musical fuzz of all time. The answer quickly became all of them. All of them are different and all of them bring something unique sonically. So they created a fuzz pedal where you can literally change the analog plug chip to make this fuzz a whole range of different fuzzes. From the modern fuzz, the modern fuzz deluxe, the fuzz classic vintage, the fuzz classic modern, the fuzz page mark 2, and the goat And I'm sure there are going to be more in the future. This pedal is absolutely incredible, and we at thoroughly recommend checking it out. Visit Jackson.audio for more details. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Good evening. And JD Short. We're number one. We, well, yes, we are indeed. Indeed, top in the UK and the US in uh, the hobbies category according to chartable.com. And uh, I think we're just outside of the top ten of all time in the hobbies chart now. Unfortunately, mm. like hobbies happens to also include fishing, knitting, and gardening. And those are some those are some tough categories. Those are the old, the, I, yeah.
1: those are all things you can do whilst listening to a podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas playing guitar. More difficult,
0: yeah. I always wonder what they talk about on like, well, you know, like a knitting one. Well, how much you, you know could... they're talking about the latest needles. I, d- I don't know, yeah, best I'd... will to buy.
2: Yeah, that's they're probably no, I'm saying not...
0: the same
1: thing in a guitar podcast. Like, what do they talk about? Strings, yeah. what, yeah, or they, or they just talk about different kind of magnet materials for hours on hours on end. Yeah, uh, yeah so what a bunch of nerds, you,
2: yeah. yeah. I, I might check out a, a knitting podcast to see how they go because there are surprisingly quite a few of them. I bet they're a a real jaunt. I bet they're a lot of fun. But uh, but yes, anyway, it's the three of this three of us this week. I think Jay Cross has taken like this week and the next two weeks off. And I th- is it just because of the euros? Is that probably? What he's di- I think it's just because to... of the, the the euros.
1: It's probably what? because we thought lockdown was going to be done. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that's that is true. That is true, and of course I mean, today,
2: today as we're recording, it is in fact Mark Packham's birthday.
1: Hack, oh. oh, hack, hack, man. Ma- Mark, 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 Mark Handman, Handman, Mark that's Handman.
2: One. Yes, it is indeed his birthday. So I think because I'm the eldest uh, out of the, the the four originals. Obviously, JD is my senior, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, Mark is joining me. <clears throat> At the grand old age of 38? 37? 37. 37. That's what I am. Yes, I'm 37. Yeah. <laughs> yes, correct. I am 30-something years old. Mm. It is that, that point in time where you definitely... It's its all nothing. I just can't wait to get to 40, you know. I remember when I went to see The, the National for the first time years ago. I mean, it, granted, they haven't made a good record in a few records now. But, you know, at the time... I think um, I think like Alligator had just come out, and they were cool. And there was this front guy with a graying beard, and he walked around with a glass of wine for the whole night, like r- randomly shouting into a microphone. And and he was over forty then, and I was like, "Damn, that's the time that you get good at music, isn't it?" Mm. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to crossing so, that threshold. Suddenly, it all clicks into place. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and it's a. You know, it's appropriate for him to, like, wear a suit and walk around a stage with, you know, with a glass of wine. Now, it would be pretentious, you know, for, for someone younger to do that or try hard. But no, it's just like, no, he's he's just an alcoholic, so it's
1: okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and it's the thing, it just seems cool. Like, you know, like I think you're basically where you're saying, two words feels like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, wear suits have wine and st- you know, of a decent vintage probably yeah. as well. And just be like, Well, yeah, I mean I'm playing a big show. I, I can spend a couple quid on, on a nice bottle. Um it's on my rider. So yeah. Chateau you know, Neuf like, de Pap on uh, oh, on the yeah. old
2: rider, why not? Oh yeah.
1: Oh Riders. I remember oh. those.
2: Ah <laughs> oh, yes. The uh, the 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 polymath rider, our rider was uh, uh, one bottle of gin and one bottle of tonic. That was uh, that was our rider,
1: and it was of you, it. You just get like a little can, like a little tin of dead uh, <laughs> tonic, like those little like fever trees. Yeah,
2: I remember Think playing <laughs> playing somewhere in like the south of Germany, where like it was a tiny town, and the promoters were amazing, but it was actually an effort for them to get gin. Like it really wasn't mm. something that was kind of readily sold. Um, I need to wow i need to adjust my i mean it was a really small town
0: you know i mean don't they realize that gin is like the one spirit that you can just brew at home you know because you know it's not like it not like the other ones you know all you need is like some pure alcohol and
1: chuck some juniper berries in it where you go yeah Yeah, do it in your bathtub and just like this tastes a bit like lush (laughs) <laughs> it's, like, it's my lush favourite Yeah, exactly. This is a bit body shoppy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's interesting. interesting. Exactly. I, my favourite writer story um, is a bit of a clang as well. Um, but it's just me. Uh wasn't my writer, but the first time I ever had Red Stripe beer was... The Jamaican it, number yeah, one lager? Yeah, Jamaican number one Red Stripe was in Indianapolis, Indiana, at a club called Emerson Theatre which is one of my favorite places it was one of those old converted cinemas oh lovely that that then they just ripped all the seats out and put a massive stage in front of what used to be um, you know the, the screen and everything And still oh that had this sounds screen.
2: fantastic yeah
1: it was great <laughs> um, and it was like yeah this big massive stage anything but the specials were playing and I think my my band used to play there a bunch um, or frequently and we were I think we were playing the next night so we went up early to go see the specials or something so we were we were there and we we're hanging out backstage and i was definitely old enough to drink at the time and they were like oh here have some red stripe And i was like what's red stripe you know and then so i had it and then i was just like oh the specials have red stripe on their rider." so like every <laughs> place they have to go it's red stripe and i was and if you fed red stripe it's great it's not that great, you know. It's, like it's <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's not it's not something you, you definitely have to have unless it's it's a bit a bit of a, a show as well to be like I oh gotta have this. But yeah, that's my first Red Stripe oh. was with the
2: specials. Wow, well wow. there you go, there you go. Yes, yeah, so I remember when Red Stripe came into Brighton. The only place you could drink it was um, uh, the Green Door Store. Do you remember the Green Door Store, Matt? Oh, venues. I do remember mm. the Green Door Store. I Great can't wait. Yeah, it is a, a wonderful venue. Isn't it it's the still most, the Green Door Store. <laughs> it is still the Green Door right. Store. Yes, yes, it is. I, I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm just you know.
1: really impressed at how effortlessly you've both said that many times so quickly. Green, green, door, green, store. Door, green door Store. Green Door Store. Green Door Store. Yeah, it's. Uh... Everyone try it at home. Give us, give us five <laughs> Green Door Stores. So, to,
2: um, to talk about some guitars on this podcast, this week. Um, I had a visit. I had a, a, a number of visits. Actually, you had a friend of the podcast, Dave Lee, popped down. He was picking up a couple of guitars. Do you remember that pink uh, Mustang with the fan frets and the oh, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah? The uh, had a, a Seymour Duncan in the bridge and a Lace Sensor in the neck. Um, he, he came to great collect choice. that. Uh, yeah, great choice. And also his Stealth um, Esquire that we talked about, which was the. Uh, um the the jaguar body what do you call it when it's a jaguar when it's the Jazzmaster body but the Tele oh, pickups d- um te- telemaster the, the telemaster yeah exactly so it was that and it looked like that with just the bridge just the telly bridge pickup in but beneath the plate there was a neck and a middle strap pickup in there, so you had a five-way selector on that telly plate, so it was in fact looked incredibly cool and like a punk rock machine, but was actually very versatile, which I loved. And Dave Lee under Eld- Eldritch Custom is his custom shop, and he has all his pickups custom wound for his guitars by Sunbear. Well, not obviously all, because the the pink one had a Seymour Duncan and a Lace Sensen, but <laughs> that one had uh, um, had three custom wound pickups, pickups which was very cool but yeah he came to collect those and also drop off a, a can of uh of vintage gloss nitro for uh for one of the necks in the bronco and actually he sent down to me a little while before that um some of the uh, monty's guitars montespresso which is the uh that kind of chocolatey it comes in a little coffee cup and it's like a paste that you can apply to the neck of your guitar in order to get a um, a darker tint to that, uh, to the maple, or, you know, onto your fretboard, which is actually what it's it recommended for. It works well on the back of a neck, but is recommended to breathe life back into rosewoods. You know, we're getting a lot of kind of pale-ish, pale-ferro-y rosewood necks at the moment. And you apply a bit of the Montespresso, and it will, you know, make it look as Brazilian as you like. Um, so, it's, uh, so, yes, so we dropped that down. Which was good um, But yes, the other visit I had Was uh, from a chap called Matt From Snapdragon Guitars Snapdragon Guitars are a a company That Matt Knight, you and I I believe met some years ago Along with with Mark and Jay At one of the guitar shows One of the UK guitar shows Maybe the London one I uh,
0: think. No, I think it was I'm pretty sure it was Birmingham Because I was thinking about this Because we did talk to them I remember talking to them a while, a while back About it
2: yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably right, and I think what, what caught our attention was was their they had a a, a bass. Um, I think at that show that was like a it was a travel a foldable travel bass with a looper built in, um, which was very very exciting. That was a that was a one off. Their regular one doesn't have the looper built in. But Matt came down to drop me down three of their guitars, their 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 bass their acoustic, and one of their electrics. And I have had the best week with these three instruments. I mean, for a start, they're foldable. They're foldable. It it reminded me how much I love travel guitars, but just the fact that you can fold them is incredibly cool so they actually unlike a lot of other travel guitar companies they actually fit in carry-on cases they have their own little soft bags that you can take on a plane as carry-on which is very very useful other than the fact that they're just very transportable so yeah they i mean they were extremely good the bass was fantastic the bass is the weirder of the shapes. That, so it's kind of a regular single-cut shapes on the acoustic and the electric. In fact, they sh- share the same sort of body type. The bass is a, a weird sort of cricket bat-esque
1: thing. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, so- I'd, I'd, I'd,
0: Something about it, it, it reminds me of those Carla U-basses. Yeah. Um, and I just think, you know, just, I don't know, it, it's got to be really difficult to design something like that. But I, I think it kind of works as a little yeah. travel bass. I think it's superb (laughs) in some ways it's sort of like half a bass Um, yeah
2: exactly it's really cool just like 15 frets short scale um music master style pickup matt was telling me that the guy who designed this is actually a big fender music master bass fan hence the music master style pickup there but uh just really cool really fun really usable it's a really slim bamboo body as well, which is unusual,
0: but looks fantastic. I guess makes it quite lightweight. I guess that's the idea, if you're travelling with it, it's not just the size, the scale length, but also Mm. the the weight of the whole thing as well. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: How loud is it just just Acoustically. acoustically? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, you wouldn't Say
2: it's any quieter than your average yeah. unplugged electric bass, like totally jammable with you know. If you were taking this, you know, I don't know if you were going into a hotel room and just wanted to bring a bass with you to jam on, totally fine to. In fact, actually, I say that I haven't plugged this one in yet. I've plugged in the <laughs> the electric. I haven't. I've only played the bass on its Todd, so certainly, certainly, you know, good enough for that. the The bamboo body is so thin that they've had to elongate the back plate on the base so that the jack doesn't go the whole way through, which, you know, that's
0: no.
1: that's how
2: thin that is.
0: Which, um, uh... Joe, I just need to question your specification there because the website doesn't say bamboo. It says Timbu. Um, mm. And looking at it... It's I maybe, made of tempeh. Yeah, t- Timbu is a sustainable <laughs> oh, yeah. timber alternative. Right. Um... Mm which looks like still has wood grain and everything, but is potentially like a mix of other woods. I see. Well, potentially
2: then. I thought Matt said bamboo. I got that from him rather than the site, but I could be wrong. It certainly has very much a bamboo-style
0: ah. grain to it just just a bit of research for for all that the timbu <laughs> is a new attractive and genuinely sustainable alternative to wood that is made purely from 100% compressed bamboo fibers yes i love it i'm so in um, so as the supply of hardwoods and our rainforest continues to diminish very true support the rainforest there is now realistic alternative to hardwood Timbu, trademarked, combines beautiful grains, colours and textures with the natural look and feel of hardwood whilst offering greater durability, uh, stability and consistency. Wow.
1: Timbu. That That is cool. uh, That's much better than my research, which indicated that Timbu was uh, Chinese in Leeds, apparently. (laughs) So so we'll (laughs) go with yours. Um,
0: But different for the... Um, Different for the guitars, right? The guitars are a polycarbonate top and back. Yeah, like an epoxy thing.
2: Yeah, that's Mm. all like uh, the top and the sort of acoustic-like, bowl-esque back are, uh, are screwed together. And this I can really get behind, because wood alternative guitars are definitely hot on my sort of like... This is definitely something that I think we should be thinking about more. It's definitely something that I'm kind of you know starting to care about a little bit more. Um, so i uh, yeah, I, I I thought I thought it, they were it was fantastic. They looked fantastic. Uh, I love that they've got that cut out in the kind of the top the top horn or well, the sort of the non-cut-out bit of the body. that's where the, the acoustic cutout is and the electric and the acoustic have the same body shape. Um, really resonant, really loud. so you know what I was thinking. I got the, the acoustic, and I was like, this it's fantastic. it sounds great. I want to record an EP using just the acoustic and a spire studio. And see what happens. See if I can put out like just using those two things. I wanna challenge myself.
1: Let's let's do one where you can play guitar or I'll play bass or we swap and we we just get on a train and go places and record in weird even better. Weird locations. Like we we'll go for like a couple mile walk somewhere, record with battery packs and travel guitar and basses.
2: Yeah, I'm 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 so into that. I'm so into that. I think that's a great idea. But I've I've loved the acoustic. And wine. Yeah, obviously, yeah. clearly, yeah. clearly. But I've loved the acoustic. I've barely put it down. I've got a lot of time for this as a as a as a material. I don't really feel like I'm losing anything. I was like, oh, this sounds great. And the thing about the acoustic is, it's like 250 quid or whatever. Like it's 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 such an affordable travel guitar. and so often when you look at like travel instruments because they've all got to do something funky whether that's folding or the tuner's being inside the body or some something or other to you know to make them functional for the purposes of travel. You then get to like the price and they're like 500 pounds, 700 pounds, you know, it, it kind of around that and like that's that's a lot for something that's not a, a legitimate like a serious instrument. And I think you know, pegging the acoustic at two hundred and fifty pounds is a fantastic price for for you know for what it is. It's
0: and really, I, really I um, one thing we didn't really mention with the electrics is the fact that they've got these EverTune bridges, which, oh, yeah. That's, which yeah. to be honest, for the money that they are, I mean, their top end model, which is the Track Deluxe, I think, is that what it's called? Yes, um, yeah, they
2: do the 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 Track Solo and. Deluxe or something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Snapdragon Track Jazz. Um, just trying to look at the difference. You know, five fifty for a really solid travel guitar with an EverTune bridge, which is a couple of hundred quid on its own. Um, yeah, well, exactly. I feel like it's
2: literally the price of the Ever <laughs> EverTune bridge on top of the price of the acoustic for the electric one.
0: Yeah, which I'm guessing the EverTune as well just helps keep really solid tuning stability. You know. For, I don't know why they didn't put it on the acoustic. I guess it doesn't really work for acoustic, no, it would sound not. very harsh, very bright. Um, I guess for acoustic, but for electric, I think that's a real, real solid idea. Bass players, bah, it's always in tune, isn't it? In there,
2: there, is, there is apparently an EverTune bass bridge being developed because, yes, of course, that's an issue. It's not an issue. I mean, who you know, who has a problem tuning a guitar, but yes, you know, if you fold this and then unfold it, it's, it's going to be well out of tune. You know, so Mm. you've got to, and it does take a minute for the neck to settle in. I found after I do that as well. So, the EverTune bridge is a wonderful way to just remove that as being something you've got to worry about. In fact, Matt did a great job of setting up the EverTune bridge on the on the track solo that I've got because you can, and you know, I've not spent that much time with EverTune bridges, but I didn't realize you can actually set them up so that
0: I still have access to vibrato, but they don't lose their tuning. Uh, yeah, you have to set them up in a specific way for that, which I find interesting because of the way it works. <laughs> exactly. Um, I know out uh, of the factory, I think the Ben Wyman one, I remember, yeah, like a half tone or a whole tone bend. It's like the note doesn't change. It's just <laughs> really, really trippy. It's like you go to yeah. Ben's note and you're like, wait, what? it's
2: it's it's quite weird the way matt had set this up is your lower strings don't have a lot of vibrato in them and then your high three do have a have a bit more but i did find it really weird when trying to do vibrato on the lower strings i'm like oh no 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 that's just the note (laughs) that is the note. Our friends at Isotope have just made their portable recording solution, the Spire Studio, even better. And the best part is that you can try out the app and recording platform for Spire completely free. Download the iOS app for your phone or tablet today by following links in the description of this podcast and make sketching down your song ideas incredibly easy and intuitive. Without the Spire, you won't have the mic or preamp, but you still have access to the software and effects that can polish your demo recordings than you probably thought possible. The second generation Spire Studio ups the stakes by offering ultra low noise preamps that offer smooth, quieter recording and increased storage capacity. There's also Spire Pro, an optional subscription service accessed via the iOS app and personalized soundtrack feature that listens and learns from your voice and environment. Check them out at isotope.com. Um, yeah. It's very cool. But yeah, the, the Everton Bridge Electric, I, I was very imp- impressed when I plugged it in. I got the one with two bladed mini humbuckers, kind of look like the Seymour Duncan JB, you know, those little humbucker things they do. Looks like those. Snapdragon have those pickups made for them. They're obviously, they're, you know, they're like some, an, an OEM company that, uh, that they're importing them from, so a no-brand pickup, but they are made to their specifications. Coil tappable as well. And I will say, I found the the bridge humbucker to be a bit too trebly, the neck humbucker to be a bit too muddy, but the neck humbucker, when you coil tap it, sounded fantastic, like articulate, lots of clarity, really, really usable. And I've just found myself sitting around with that guitar, you know, plugged in or unplugged, because, of course, the electric still has that, that cut out in the upper horn to make it acoustic, functional as well. But I was like, oh... It, 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 the the uh,
0: the electric also comes with uh, strap locks, which I thought was great. But um, I think, um, I mean, I don't know, but I'd imagine for some reason the electric to be more popular. I I don't know. I just kind of feel that like you can sort of sit and play it acoustically. Um, but you've got the chance to plug it in. A lot of people are taking things like the Mustang Micro or, yeah, you know, Wazza Airs around with them as well. And and it's what you're familiar with. Like, I would... That's why I've enjoyed taking the Harmony Juno everywhere, even though it's not like a travel guitar, it's just a bit smaller. But I prefer playing electric than taking an acoustic that you can just play unplugged. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're an electric player, you want to be able to do things like bend the strings. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think it's... I think the electric one's really cool. I think it's a good idea. Um, I'm guessing strings don't tend to like get caught or anything like that too much. They sort of it does fold relatively naturally without any uh, problems. So,
2: so they come with
0: little string
2: ties. So it has a zero fret anyway that keeps the strings. Coming. Right. Sorry. Uh, I mean, it's not as it's a zero fret that goes over the strings essentially. Almost think of it as a nut that locks everything in, mm. like on a Floyd. So so the strings aren't going to move. But also, it comes with a couple of like velcro ties that you pop around the neck when you're going to fold it just so the strings don't go all over the place um it's just well designed like it's simple and you know they've saved money on you know things like the epoxy bodies and stuff but i was just like this is actually a great guitar in its own right i expected to think these were fine you know I expected to have a bit of fun on them, but I was, I've was i been playing them all week, and I'm like, these are legitimately good guitars and fun guitars.
0: I think that's where you've got to start, isn't it? I think so many people will be put off, um, you know, either by going, oh, it's a bit of a gimmick, or oh, it's too small, you know, and you've got to convert people by making them great guitars, you know, first and foremost. It shouldn't be like, can we make a guitar a travel guitar? It's like can we make a genuinely really good smaller guitar? Yeah, And then how can we actually make that, you know, more that someone would travel with it, you know, and taking the neck off is a stroke of genius uh, yeah. in some way. So it's cool that someone sort of pioneered that concept a bit more and, and made it into a really solid, playable instrument.
2: Yeah. Well, that was, you know, to be honest, that was one of the things that I noticed about the way Matt spoke about the guitars. We were sort of... We were, he was telling me about what's great about them and, you know, all, all sort of the main features. And, like, I realised, you know, by the end of him talking, like, he hadn't mentioned once the fact that they fold, which is <laughs> which is like, that's the selling point. And he's like, I, I said it to him. I was like, you know, of, of course, the you know, the fact that they fold is the big thing here. And he was like, oh, yeah, I just I forget that that's the thing because he's focused on Making these guitars as good as they can be at being guitars. The folding thing is just an extra thing, which I thought was like, "That's great. That's where you want a company to be putting their attention." You know, because um, it could easily just be a bad guitar that folds, and they run on the folding gimmick, and that's enough to yeah, exactly. sell a bunch of guitars. Um,
1: but really good. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm really, I'm really into these, and I'm really excited. To actually try them at some because I remember, I remember when you guys spoke them years ago, Joe, you and I were chatting about these. Mm. And because, like, I think we were both into travel, looking for travel bases at the same time because it's because it was when I was, you know, I was spending most of my life in hotels and stuff and intentionally. And it was, it was just one of those things where, like, this would be great, but nothing, nothing worked. And the fact that one, the fact that it just fits in. You know, carry on luggage, great. And then, two, the fact that it's like, it's a 30 inch or 29 inch scale length. Like, that's the thing that I always found, like, for anything that was bass wise, that they make it so small, or, or you get, you know, some other, some of the other designs where they're like, they'll put like six strings. So it's, you just get this, like, you know, cutting board with a bunch of strings on it, in essence, <laughs> yeah. that you end up playing. That it, this, this feels like an actual, you know, like real instrument. Sure, I don't have twenty four frets, and I'm not going to be playing solo stuff. But like, if I just want to play, or I just want to like run, you know, like Apregios <laughs> and stuff like, whilst watching Friends or Pawn Stars, like yeah. I can, I can also do that. Like, it's, plus, yeah. yeah, like you said, like them actually being good means I could legitimately lay down real, you know, real work I, I whilst whilst out. Know, <laughs>
2: That, that's, that's actually the thing about the electric ones, the guitar and the bass. Like, I legitimately think if you were bringing, like, a, you know, a little, I don't know, a Scarlet Solo and your laptop with you where you were going somewhere and just sort of thinking of ideas to record them down, these are good enough. You know, yeah. <laughs> this if, if because it's actually a standard pickup, the Music Master pickup, it, which is the same as the Bronco pickup, dear listener, mm. that's in the bass, for example, you could actually just upscale that if you really wanted to, <laughs> to like, a, yeah. you know, it's, you could actually just get, like, one of the, uh, uh oh, I've forgotten the, the what, what was the brand that I got? McNally. Yeah, you could actually get yeah. one of the McNally, um, you know, Bronco replacement pickups and shove that in there. And it... <laughs> It would be even better. Um, wow. I'll, I'll send the bass up to you, JD, because it's, uh, oh. it's it's really good, and you definitely have to play it. I've, I've oh, yeah, had yeah. so
1: much fun with them. Um, I would, I'm well into that, and I have another holiday um, coming up somewhat soonish, so it would be great to take something. There you go. There, exactly. Exactly. That's what these are great at. But yeah, dear listener,
2: absolutely check them out. They come f- fully, fully endorsed by myself. I've really, I've had the best. We, we get like lots of stuff and I'm always like, yeah, this is fun. This is cool. I obviously, I, I talk myself into a lot of things and spending a lot of money on things. But this was, the Snapdragon stuff was something I expected to be like, these are fine. And they're all live played for a week.
1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans.
2: JD, we should. Uh, we should. You've actually put out. Uh, speaking of music that you're making, a slight segue. Mm. they almost got that segue, but uh, yeah, you've uh, you've actually put out um, like a, a double single this week with uh, your new with your new band.
1: Or? Yeah, so the, the new band uh, Belta Louder uh, was what is kind of like a, a punk band that was uh, started started in lockdown a year plus ago now um very political political punk band but we we have a couple couple new tracks that we released um so on bandcamp so it's dot and all the other services as it will be well be in, in the
2: links of this podcast dear yeah. listener cool
1: um great um yeah and what we're doing uh this time so part of us being a political punk band is we also donate at least 50% of all the proceeds uh to social justice causes um and other um and other things that we've uh decided on so this album because it's because it's a two track and it's just kind of some like good old school punk fun um we're donating everything uh for this so anything that anything that we make Uh, from this is being donated and we're donating it to the trans women of color collective, uh, which is a, uh, it's a not-for-profit, uh, based in the U S but, um, they really work to sort of basically what they say, um, on their side, I think I have this down, is uh, it's to uplift the narratives, lived experiences, and leadership of trans and gender nonconforming people of color, our families and comrades as, as we build towards collective liberation for all oppressed people. So, there's a lot of, again, it's that sort of, um, you know, uh, really working um, with restorative justice and sort of other things um, there as well. But that's, yeah, great, great, uh, not-for-profit and yeah what a fantastic there, organization
2: so. to get involved in i and i think amazing that you've gone for a, you know the full 100 on this dear listener definitely something that's worth your time and effort and and donations and you know plus of course you get some great music as well some good proper old school punk so you know please do check it out it will be in the description of this podcast we'll be posting it all over our facebook page and instagrams and all the other internet like things um as well as an old school punk record j d are you still yeah. using the stonefield for for this entire uh well this double single
1: well i mean it, it wouldn't be an old school punk record if i didn't use my bespoke uh custom <laughs> instrument um, <laughs> yeah. nothing, says, so nothing
2: says punk it, rock like a four thousand dollar bass
1: yeah um but yeah like it's it's all the the stonefield um i mean all it's it's Two tracks but um, both of those uh, and what I should say is if anyone has listened to the the earlier EP that we put out last year um, which was all, which are all programmed drums that we had done this is this has a, a drummer uh, who, there's our drummer Dagan uh, who's also the drummer for a band called Murder by Death which people probably know they're uh, and if they don't know please check them out because they're uh, an incredible band uh, in their own right uh uh-huh. and but yes but it's um especially with just doing the like live drums and everything it was just the stonefield just for me like works so well cuz it's it's a passive instrument single single pickup passive instrument it it can sound very similar to a p bass that just uh actually has Uh, clarity and everything else, it cuts through um, quite a bit. So it was mostly, most of my signal was uh, my Stonefield into um, sort of depending on the track, either into my Sonic Nuance TDI for the DI um, or and and, uh, really both uh, into the Focusrite ISA1. Uh, I didn't do any miking uh, for this at all. So there's no cabs. Uh, Involved and really, there's not a lot of plugins um, on it as well. There is some that I do, which is an old Andy Wallace trick of um, I always sort of split my bass track so I have multiple tracks. Um, One is one will be high-passed so that I'm really just it's really from about. I'd say, like, Open D and above there. And with that, I may do a bit more grit. So I use um, some plugins just to put a little dirt on it. Um, that's usually, let's say, the uh, House of Kush. So, like, Kush Audio has the um, red DI. So they're ready. Oh, yeah. um, that g- great plugin. Um, I just I use that a lot to kind of just give a little bit more drive. Um, they also have some of their transformer Sim, like plugins are there. So I have some of the Omega ones that just, again, just give it a little bit of air and a little bit of bite. It's really subtle, but those are great. And then um, I used uh, my favorite uh, course plugin at the moment is a, it's the Arturia Juno. So it's basically the chorus section of a Juno that they've emulated as a plugin, which is also, you know, all the pedals, that yeah. are there but i usually yeah, chuck course. that on um again it's total andy wallace uh who's great uh mix engineer just having that and just like putting more chorus than i would normally i think put on my bass but having that in that second track that is just high passed um and then sort of blending those in the chorus really just gives a bit of like movement yeah in that. yeah totally um, yeah so it's yeah it's it's that's basically the the signal path for for my bass was just basically those some compression that I use. I have, I use the brain works, the focus, right channel strip um, that they have. So I basically just, just use that and it gives me pretty much everything um, I need. And I sort of made the decision sort of like, well, these two tracks were going to be part of a larger record, but the larger record is taking on like more of a, a more varied shape and these these felt like these are two straight ahead punk songs. Let's just put these out as um what we're because we're gentlemen of a certain age, at least, you know, me and Matt, the guitar <laughs> singer, we're uh um we're thinking we kept calling these the k- single So like the cassette singles that, you know, used to be out there in the world. So I was just thinking of like releasing a <laughs> cassette single of these. So we're like, let's just do this like you know, this oi punk cassette single and then, then we'll get the like bigger, broader albums where like I'm at the point now, like playing keys and stuff, which wow. is you know, kind of moving away from a, a bit of um the straight ahead punk stuff you, that we had You know done you're getting
2: older previously. when you're moving on to keys.
1: Well, <laughs> I mean I mean, you know, it's it's real Bob Rock Metallica Black album. <laughs> you know, silly. like, like
2: Fair, fair enough. I think it's it, it, worth noting the uh, the focus Focusrite uh, Brainworks plugin. I think that now comes as uh, like yeah. part and parcel with with, with any Scarlet purchase. If you any of their interfaces, including the Scarlet Solo, dear listener, which I think is about seventy quid um yeah. it's it's a really a, a fantastic you know focus right are few companies are rivaling them at the moment mm. when it comes to interfaces with free plugins that come with them they really are very very good and well yeah, worth yeah i
1: that focus right plugin uh i would pay 70 quid for it alone like it's it's my favorite channel strip plugin that i have and i have channel strips i've you know paid upwards of 204 yeah you know
2: so yeah yeah absolutely it's 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 surprisingly good and that's the thing with plugins as i've kind of come to learn over the last over over lockdown and buying loads you can on it you can spend 300 quid on an absolute piece of crap or you can get something for free that's incredible like the, the, there's no gauge <laughs> there's yeah. no gauge and you won't know yeah. until you try it. And it's you know it's not that the plugins are bad; it's that you you know some things are better suited to the way we work um, in, as well, individuals.
1: Mean, yeah, I th- I mean I think you know it's very similar to pedals. You know, a lot of times we're like there can be a fifty a fifty US distortion that sounds as good as the four hundred US distortion. Yeah, and and sometimes it's like and it. Like that may work for me, like I may prefer the fifty, but if if you come over and play my stuff, the four hundred may work much better for you. like there's so much about like how you interact with of something course. and and just how you how you like to use stuff that just works better, but yeah, like i I mean yeah I think you know the the big message is you can get really good results for next to nothing, but it is really nice. To spend a lot of money on stuff as well, I find because <laughs> yeah. if nothing else, it makes me feel better. It makes me go, "This one definitely sounds good." You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you don't trust your
2: ears, dear listeners, spend more money. That's uh, that's yeah. the, the guitarist recommendation. and just be like,
1: "Well, surely, surely, this is going to be amazing, right?" So, exactly, exactly.
2: Right. Well, we should. Uh, I want. I want to talk about Ooh Peg, um, <laughs> which is. You know something that was uh, that was brought to our attention on the on the guitar nerds facebook group facebook.com forward slash guitar nerds group I can't who who first posted this
0: I can't remember but bizarrely enough I think about a day before um, a friend of mine who works at Anderson uh, sent me a link and was just like oh we've started stocking these yeah for for anyone who didn't understand what Joe was saying it is actually <laughs> OPEG, or Upeg, yeah. O-O-P-E-G-G. And I'd never, I'd never heard of them before. I'm guessing a... It was Ben Caffrey, I did just find it. Oh, sorry. Okay. Ben,
2: ben Caffrey posted about it a number of times and, uh, yeah, discovered these. Sorry, carry on, Matt.
0: No, I was going to say, so a Japanese guitar manufacturer, it looks like three people um, that, that run it, so... The, the main guy, uh, known as Haki, um, it was apparently a famous Japanese and legendary roadie uh, with loads of musicians since the 80s and uh, decided to sort of start this brand with a couple of other friends. So he's the producer and team leader. Uh, I can't work out how old the brand is i think they started as a guitar repair and restoration company in 2014 so i think the actual brand and building their own guitars is quite quite new but yeah upeg guitars only stockist in europe i believe is uh is anton's at the moment very very unique guitars they only make one um called the Trailbreaker mark one which i guess you would describe as a well i mean it's a really unique body it's shape it, it's kind it's of sort like of an
2: offset telly i guess it, not
0: it, quite it, i would liken it to a offset a different offset body that fender would have made in the 90s
1: it feels like a, it it's feels not a sort like of a,
0: parallel a, universe but something a bit
1: different It feels like it feels like it's it's. I get a little bit of like Yamaha vibes as well. Like yes, like some of the some of the weirder banana guitar. Like yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. yeah, Yes, something there's something about it that just feels like it's it it feels really comfortable. Like like you, it's like I've seen this shape bajillion times, but I can't quite place what's like. What else is going on here? It's in some ways it's like half a telly
0: and half a Strat, um, but it's sort of almost double cut. It's in
2: like a the te- Tele part. It's like a Strat
0: trying to burst out of a Telecaster
1: with yes. a Jaguar, but, but trying to become a Jaguar exactly. <laughs>
0: but um, it, you're right, uh, JD. It reminds me of that Yamaha that you had for a while, Joe. The 60s mm. one. Um, yeah. yeah. I can't remember what the model was now.
2: It was, wasn't mine, was mine was the, was it the Katana? No. No, mm. that's the
0: old Squire Flying V. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I can't remember the name. But of it now. Um, really, really kind of cool, unique, um, unique looks and also a kind of unique design in the sense of what you've got. So you've got two humbuckers and a single. Um, you've also then got, a rosewood fingerboard, which is 12 inch radius. So, again, moving to more of your uh, well, I mean, they used to put medium scale length as well, so Kalamazoo inspired, so 24.75 scale length, and then you've got the 12 inch radius. It's definitely uh, very modern come
2: retro, like it looks very vintage, but if you actually read the specs, it, mm. there are quite a lot of modern sensibilities there,
0: yeah. So, um, volume. Um, passive capacitor filter push pull tone pop reduces the output of the bridge and neck p- pickups by 20 to 30% um, so you go from sort of it's basically like a hum they're saying sort of hum to a single coil in some ways um, and then you've got a three way selector switch while a mini three way allows you to add or mix the middle single coil into any of the pickup positions or use it alone or switch off entirely that's really cool that's that's alarmingly cool yeah, um, I think it's a it's a nice idea. Um I'm sure I've seen it on other other ones before. I remember the Gretsch Stumpermatic had a oh, similar yeah. similar feel where you had three humbuckers and the neck and middle were always on the uh, the neck and bridge were always on a three-way and then mm-hmm. one of the pot's turned on and off the uh the middle pickups so I think it's very cool it's also a five-piece neck um yeah isn't it like
2: maple walnut maple or something yeah
0: yeah so you know older body maple walnut neck uh so you and then yeah you've got this kind of gibson inspired sort of contour neck and and scale length so it's yeah, a kind there's of a mixture a contoured of both lace side dots I love the headstock is
2: kind of a reverse music man headstock a two with a four on the on the yeah, downside
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, the hardtail options cool. look
2: great as well.
0: Yeah, indeed. There's uh, If you go to their website, um, I'm guessing they're listing all the ones. They only have one model, like I said, the Trailbreaker. Uh, and then they're just basically listing it all in different colours but different options. So, yeah, it looks like maybe Mastery Bridge and um, Jaguar... Jazzmaster-style um, trem arm, but they also do a hardtail version as well. And in the different colours, they've got a few different options of ones they've done. So the black one has a P90 um, and then a single core and then a humbucker uh, with a slightly different backplate. So I'm guessing they've maybe made a bunch of different different colours have different spec options, perhaps. But it looks um, because there are only
2: two maple neck options.
0: Yeah, but uh, a huge range of colours they've done, because the shell pink one um, only has two, it has a humbucker and a P90. Um, Oh, on their website, however. On their website, yeah.
2: andertons.co.uk, they do do a shell pink one, matching headstock, gorgeous, like, pearl button tuners, torque guard, and that is two, um, that is a humbucker, it's a, oh, it's, no, that's a P90 in the neck.
1: And then a
2: single coil and then a humbucker in the bridge. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. I, I love mean, it. The Burgundy Mist, that Burgundy Mist that they have on their site is incredible. Yeah. Oh, I can't decide which colour. Sorry. Uh,
2: fantastic options. Premium price point for a Japanese-made guitar?
1: Well, I think um,
0: it's kind of like any, I mean, I'd say, I think they're reasonable. What, 2799 two seven nine? But if you think, it looks like by the website only one person is making them. So yeah. you know, it's a team of like three people. So I, I'm kind of guessing that it's sort of fair enough if one person is is uh, is building them, similar to what we were talking about with the orange guitars last week, um, in some ways. But I, you know, it's it premium. But I I think these are more boutique than like mass produced guitars out of a out of a factory. Yeah, certainly, it's,
2: there are American pickups as well that they're having made specifically. Oh, nice. For these
0: guitars. Yeah, it's a shame there's not more on their website about about it all. But yeah, it looks like the builder, T2, that's his nickname, I'm guessing, um, currently crafts all the OPEG guitars by hand, and he manages all the production processes, including wood shaping, selection, sanding, painting, assembling, and final inspection. So um, if he's doing everything, then uh, I guess fairly reasonable... (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, the other thing is like, I think these feel very much like if I were to have like dream specs of a guitar, like these, these feel like pretty close to what I would want, you know, a lot of times. Like all the, all the nice stuff, like Lumile, you know, the contoured heels, the fact that like the pickup choices and it, you know, like everything, like these all, and I really like the, the maple walnut necks where they have like basically like the walnut. Like contrasting like um, stripes through them that you you know see a lot on like some of the older like Kauai and you know or, or like you know like the late eighties like Kramer bases and stuff yeah, like that for sure. like you know like it's much more like that feel and it just feels like this is kind of feels like if if I were to just spec something out this is pretty close to what I would I would want also and like what we've said before is like they they look new and fresh and exciting but also you could play them in, in, in any group setting, you know, like you could be in a vintage yes. style band and it'd be like, yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't seem out of place, you know, or you could easily play it in any sort of new metal band, like any metal band. <laughs>
2: um. Yeah. it's it, They're definitely like, I feel like they've nailed what people are looking for in a guitar in, you know, 2021. You maybe except for in price. Obviously the price is still kind of I'm not I'm not saying that they're I think they're reasonably priced for what they are. I just mean most people aren't spending three thousand pounds on a on a guitar. Like uh, you know. I I
1: yeah, I will I will say like that that is a thing that kind of I was off put by until Matt started reading all the about stuff because I didn't know any of the history (laughs) and it was like oh yeah this this all makes good sense and uh, like all the choices like i i have like a high confidence trust level with like you know if these are designed by someone who ran a repair shop or was a roadie or a guitar tech or something it's like you know what all the problems are you know what all the like common things people want done are it feels like these are just all those things you know, like it, they they feel like premium guitars, but are meant to be played. To- and totally, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. They, I yeah, they they look absolutely
2: fantastic. It's just you know, if they were eighteen hundred quid, I think everyone would be clamoring to purchase mm. them. Whereas at twenty seven hundred pounds for you know twenty seven up up to up to three grand or, or three one in some cases here um, on the Anderton site. No matter how good that quality is, you're taking a punt on an unknown brand at that sort of price point. Yeah. Um. You know, when it's not like a complete custom shop. You know, because you're still buying a pre-spect guitar. You're not choosing all those things. So yeah, that's the tricky thing with them. But they do look amazing. Super exciting. Yeah, I love them very much. Let's um, let's talk about effects pedals. Matt Knight. Your, uh the 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 boys at Boss have been back on it this week with another Wazacraft Craft
0: release. Yeah, for I guess I, I guess we could say this is news, but it's sort of not really. In some ways, it isn't. It isn't because we, we we announced this last November. I
2: think did we after talk about it then then is that what i we think talked we did
0: yeah it? basically an online petition petition was started for boss to reissue the hm2w um which we decided to do uh, and we've sort of been involving end users in the development and asking what they what they would want and you know loads of different suggestions and ideas and i think we settled on the fact that there's there are a lot of clones and people have really tried to capture the sound of HM2 of the last um, sort of 30 years but only Boss can do it like Boss did it originally Um, so you know we can take and change things that we would like to change now but we can also remake the original just like the original one Uh, and what's interesting with the HM2 is that we released it in like 1984 you know it was really early on in in our time and it wasn't, it didn't pick up its kind of genre-defining moment until right at the end of its life. Um, because loads of players used it from like Gilmore and it had more gain than most other drive pedals in the market in the eighties. Um, but yeah, it was when a band called Entombed went into the studio and turned everything up to 10 through a Marshall, um, that, you know, they they created the sound which everyone then sort of lovingly referred to as the Swedish chainsaw. But we discontinued it, like, the year later because... That didn't drive any sales because obviously it gained a cult following over time, and we released the Metal Zone, which obviously went on to be our biggest, second biggest selling ever pedal. You know, we sold a million, a million Metal Zones. Wait, is that after um, the DS1 then? Yes, after the right. DS1. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we've reissued the HM2 in Waza form, and it was uh, officially um, open for pre-order now, so you can pre-order um, from any any boss retailer um and it's it's wicked um i got mine through um just the other day and it's it's just it's very different obviously you can turn everything up to 10 and kind of go insane um but actually it has not as much gain as you think um and the eq eq controls control more than just because it says uh, i think um You've got low and high, but actually, it's doing a little bit more under the hood in terms of frequency range. Right. Um You have got more gain and more volume on the custom setting. But I was going to say, so it's got the standard and custom switch like you do on the other,
1: yeah. on all
2: the other wazers So what's on what, the what back? rather I was than on, on
0: the, the front. back. Yeah, because we wanted to. So modern boss pedals. If you look at most modern boss pedals, they have like an aluminium front plate under yeah. the control knobs, which is obviously etched onto directly and stuck onto the metal chassis. Um, but HM2 doesn't. It's printed directly onto the metal pedal. Um, so to add the switch on the front, we would have had to add a add an aluminium plate, which has made it look slightly different. Um, so we added the switch to the back. So the standard mode is your kind of classic HM2, um, but obviously made with modern components. And then the custom mode is more gain and more volume. Um, so much larger gain, gain range than the original um, for really heavy stuff. But it actually does do some of the light stuff as well. Um, I guess it was really designed at a time that like the new wave of british heavy metal had come out so you got a lot of other bands that were looking for something more than like an sd1 do you know what right, i mean more right, than yeah. just like amp overdrive and but not fuzz you know so it did kind of lend itself to that sort of big stack sound um so yeah it doesn't have as much gain as like a metal zone um but gives you it gives you enough should i say and if you Pop on the boss website. There's a bunch of really great sound clips and stuff that people have done in a bunch of different gain ranges. Not everything at ten, um, and it's really versatile. But pedals like the KMA Worm, I believe, are based on an old HM2. Um, yeah, yeah. That's so right, yeah. you know, they're doing their thing, which is great. But we're we're kind of doing the the original, um, you know, and bringing it back to what it was. Thirty-one years ago, yeah, when it was that's,
2: discontinued. been an alarming amount of time for that pedal to have. Uh, I know, you know,
0: this is crazy. If you think, you know, that pedal was discontinued thirty years ago, and think how many pedal companies have formed in that time, yeah. um, it, it's mad. But you know, it was it was really done because of public demand. Everyone was saying, "Yes, there's clones. Yes, there's other things we can buy, but Boss, bring back the HM2 and." We've done it, and you can go and buy one, which is uh which is pretty amazing. I think that's pretty cool. It's nice to be part of that history as well.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely, and and like you know, it's the continued expansion of of Wazercraft. is just of the Waza range. Yeah, it's just been the best idea boss have ever had. The the Waza stuff being able to yeah. being able to revisit kind of classic things and
0: you know make well,
2: improvements or changes to them. It's it just seems to be
0: yeah yeah it's such a success. Um, the, the idea partly formed from uh, Yoshi's meeting with us in GAC seven years ago um, when when he sort of visited and was like, you know, to, when he first became boss president, we well, became boss president for the second time. And uh, we were like, you know, love the brand, but it's just not as cool, you know, there's so many great stuff that you used to do before and this, that and the other and didn't want to just do a reissue, you know, you kind of... What could we do if we're making it again? What couldn't we do 30 years ago? Yeah. And, uh, you know, went back to Japan and, and did that. And, and that's where the Waza line was formed. Um, but what's good with these is that the HM2W is not limited like the TV2W. So it'll be a standard production line for the uh, for the foreseeable future.
2: How many, how many pedals in the Waza standard line now? Uh,
0: Sorry, nine. That's putting you
2: on the spot, isn't it?
0: Nine. Nine, really? Wow. If I, if, I, if I remember rightly, Nine.
1: <laughs> I was looking
0: at it all day as well so I should I should remember that but yeah I'm pretty sure it is
2: 9 I see I see very very cool well you know absolutely not my kettle of fish at all but it's a a wonderful heritage pedal and i'm really glad that you know boss have revisited it
0: you're gonna run out of stuff soon matt you're kind of doing all the best ones i know i know but um you know the good thing about this one is you can say that yes it was used for the swedish chainsaw defined a genre but also david gilmore used it in the 80s as well so you know got (laughs) both both sides david gilmore death metal yeah
2: yeah, exactly. It's very cool indeed. Death
0: Gilmore. Maybe there's a Pink uh, Floyd covers band that only does it in uh, <laughs> the style of Swedish death metal. Yeah, David Gilmore. Gain. More gain. No,
2: didn't work. <laughs> <Okay>. David Gainmore. <laughs> gain, gain Gainmore. Gainmore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Oh, there it is. Oh, you heard it here first. <laughs> now, before before we go today, because we you know we are running out of time on this week's. Uh, episode of the podcast i want to talk about one other thing there's been a load of stuff there's so many things in the in the news this week which we'll get to next week when they'll no longer be newsworthy but one other thing that i did want to talk about as we'd mentioned kma um is last week we we were talking about they were running that giveaway for a bunch of pedals and a mystery pedal and they have of course announced that pedal now as the as the tyler Deluxe, which is an advanced frequency splitter. This seems to be a pedal type that more and more brands are doing, but there's no kind of uniformed way to do it yet. Everyone's sort of trying their own their own way of making a a kind of a you know a frequency splitter. This this thing's. It, it, it looks fantastic. And it looks like you can do an awful lot with it. Matt, thoughts?
0: Yeah, so you're right. You know, obviously started many moons ago with something like an LS2, which is just a dual loop uh, pedal. And then obviously now we've got things that we spoke about, tri-parallel mixer, gig rig, wetter old box, plugs. uh old, old blood, blood noise, um, signal blender. So, you know, this is, in a, in a sense, allows you to run two pedals at once, at the same time but in their own signal path so you're not running a overdrive into a distortion or a chorus into a flanger you can run them separately which yields its own sonic um sort of sound and and capabilities Uh, which is great you know there's a bunch of pedals that already do that i think what's cool with the tyler deluxe is that each loop or one loop has a high pass filter, shall I say, and one has a low pass filter. And the mix control in the middle sets the ratio of the low and high pass channel. So, you know, it's your mix control between two loops. Um, So very cool for people like bass players who might run two different distortions and want to mix it that way. So you can mix the two loops, but you can also mix it At a frequency um, level as well, so very very cool. I think Um, loads of options.
1: Yeah, I would say like, and also just to add on to that, like there's also the clean blend as well. So you have dry signal plus those two loops that you can blend as well, which is I think especially cool for bass players. In that this is pretty close to a pedal I had. JHS build me like 10 plus years ago. I so, like, I want a pedal that does all this, that I can run, that I can blend in my, like have a clean signal, but also like what you're saying too, sorry to, to add in, but it's just like the, the two different distortions. It's also something I was thinking about when you were talking about the Waza craft, where I was like, this would be great if I if I had like a blend on it, or I could just put that on like the highs of my signal. Cause I often run, I used to run well a couple different like crossovers anyway just to just to do this. So I, I'm well into this. This is exciting. Yeah, I think it's nice to add the
0: um, the filter because you could you know manipulate the filter in real time. You know, run a delay and yeah. kind of sweep the highs the high pass on the delay or use the low pass to make things a bit more analog. You know, if you want to take the highs off a, de- off a delay or modulation. So I think it adds some. Other sounds on top of pedals you've already got, so will help you explore sonically the pedals that you've you've got in a completely different way, which I think is quite cool. It's something that I can see you maybe running it on a pedal board, but I think it'd actually be really handy, like in the studio, if you were reamping yeah. and you were trying a few different things. Because running stuff in parallel gives you a whole different different result, especially on the ambient side of things, can give you some really really good results. Because uh, it's great running a long delay into a big reverb actually running the two parallel gives you a bit more distinction between the two sounds absolutely um and yeah i think the the filter the addition of the filter i think is uh is genius actually i think that's really cool
2: yeah this is uh, yeah this is a fantastic you know utility pedal but Really useful. I love the idea of the filters. I love... Because, you know, so often when you're using drives, specifically if you... you know, I guess I am applying this to bass here, but specifically if you're using, like, guitar-style drives on a bass, it can become... A little fizzy at, at on on your top end a little bit as soon as you've applied the right amount you know to your low end you're like yeah that's that sounds great you then move up to your high end and it's just you've lost all clarity and it's yeah it's got that that fizziness Um, so being able to just use those filters to eliminate some of that and the blend oh this is the ultimate sculpting tool and whilst you can do anything with it as you say you can you know have delays and reverbs running side by side i feel like the thing that's really going to make really going to work on this pedal is being able to blend up drives and your clean signal to make your ultimate perfect drive tone this just gives you complete Mm. control
0: yeah yeah absolutely. I think it's um it's, I think it's a great idea. I think it's great. There's a couple of people doing other similar things, but I like the fact that the high pass and low pass are on two separate loops yeah uh, I think that's cool and and again it's something that you could buy and have loads of fun with and then easily put a couple of different pedals in and it totally give you a different uh world of things to try.
2: Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now we are we are coming up to the the all the time we have for this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. You can, dear listener, join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds for an entire extra episode every week. We're gonna be heading over there right now where we're gonna be taking some questions from the from the Facebook group. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum or group? I always forget that. It doesn't matter. Search Guitar nerds Group. You'll f- find it. But, you know, the, uh, yeah, there, there have been some fantastic questions this week. So join us over on the Patreon for those. We've had a couple of new patrons this week joining us at the $10 tier, Joseph D. Thank you very much, Joseph, my namesake um welcome you will be included in the song and and welcome also to vander guitars from down under in australia vander guitars we actually mentioned them uh, a few maybe a a few months ago now um a really cool custom build that they've made for one of our podcast listeners that got shared on the on the facebook group but um but yes thank you very much for joining us um you can become a Patreon supporter as well for as little as a dollar a month. At the dollar tier, you'll get this episode ad-free and early every week. $5 a month gets you access to the Patreon special episode and our entire back catalogue of series and Patreon specials. And the $10 tier gets you the lot. Plus, I'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode. You can find us on all your favourite social media platforms and join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly discussion. Thanks very much for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Farewell. Goodbye.
1: Catch you later.
2: Hello again, dear listener. I just wanted to drop in again at the end of the podcast to thank all of our top tier patrons i wanted to thank you all properly this week i know i normally do a song and i will return to doing the song i'm gonna have to rewrite a song because i feel like the part where i deliver your names is all sped up and i don't actually get to say thank you enough and it is incredible that you guys all offer the the, the massive amount of support that you do it's It's really wonderful and it's helped the Guitar Nerds podcast go for as long as it has and kind of be as successful as it is. And it helps me be able to do Guitar Nerds as my main form of employment. So thank you very, very much indeed. So I thought I'd just thank you all properly. Why not? So, you know, thank you and welcome to Joseph D. Um, You know, thanks for signing up and joining us. Jorin Brown, Holly Simpson, Eric Vaughan, John Conaway. Paul Drew from the Studio Rats, Russell Healing, Yogi the guitarist, Ty Allen, Cloudlifter. I just know Rob. Cloudlifter, Todd Simons, Carl Harris, Joe Hoppard, Sean Hughes, Brian Hansen, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Shane M, Brian Einsler, Jonathan Hafferty, Gavin van Linden, Mark Hizal, Kadoaki, great name, Robert Butterworth, Samuel Frost, Stuart Robson from SBC Guitars, who we know and love, Christian Lund Hansen, Keith Adams, Eric File, Dallas Henry, Scott Utting, Jack Cutmore, Andy Manley, Simon Milbourne, Ken Sayers, Michael McVeigh, Merrin Peters, Sean Arbo, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland. I can't believe Blake Wyland from the Tone Mob is still still supporting us. He's been supporting us for for years now. In fact, he... he he pays like an extra amount as well. That man is lovely, crazy and lovely. Dave Lee, the wonderful Dave Lee. We talk about him a lot at the moment. It was lovely to meet him the other day. Nate Nagel, Ross Edwards, John Anglin, Aaron Sherman, James Dor, Ryan McDermott, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel. I have to go on to the second page now, which is good. 62 top 10 patrons at the moment, which is flattering, honestly. Abe Matthews. Christopher Losef, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, uh, Kaitopia The Band. I love that they're listed as that. JD Short. I don't know why JD is still a 10-tier backer when he's on the actual podcast. That doesn't make any sense. Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and of course, Rapscallion himself, Moog Gravit. Thank you all so much for being Top tier $10 Patreon back as you make all of this possible. Um, we'll be back next week with more of this guitar murdery. Farewell.